Hello. And welcome back to Six Fists. Finally. Well, it's only been like 10 days since we posted the last episode. Since we posted it. Yeah. Finally. Yeah. But we're going to get on a better schedule now. I laid it out, so we're all good. Yeah, we have a schedule. It's all like, you know, hammered out and stuff like that. And don't worry, uh, Evan will probably beat us up if we forget to do an episode or get lazy. So he has been working out. It's true. Though I can still deadlift more than he can. I beat you last time. Yeah. No, no, no. I, that means I. That means I beat you. <laughs> machismo, machismo. So anyway, uh, it's the summer, so I don't know. There's not a whole lot of school going on, so we figured we talk about I don't know media stuff. Mm-hmm. Although one of our dorms did flood. It's oh yes, that down. happened. Oh yes. Yeah. That's uh. That's another story entirely. Let's not talk about that right oh, now. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, Stan, what kind of stuff you've been watching lately? Reading, playing, etc. Um, so, so lately what I've been doing is I've been watching a lot of TV. I tend to watch crap over and over again. Like, So when you say crap, are you just referring to general stuff, or do you mean like really crappy television that you watch over and over again like watching Roseanne like the first season on repeat or something <laughs> I've never watched that is that actually bad uh because okay. I've heard good things about that show I've watched a lot of sitcoms because of Nick at Night <laughs> yeah actually like a lot uh-huh. of 90s and 80s sitcoms and I have to say that Roseanne starts out pretty okay mm-hmm. and it gets really bad later it's yeah. really horrible like the uh-huh. last season is just really stupid yeah um they win the lottery and they get rich. Oh yeah, but then, then they retcon the entire. They retcon the entire series. They retcon that entire season. They they retcon like half the series. Oh, okay. Yeah, like some minor things, some major things, mm-hmm. a really major thing. Right. Uh, spoilers. I'm not gonna say, but okay. You you should know that if you're listening to this, if when we're talking about old crap, then I think that's spoilable. When I was host, I hosted trivia night. It's mostly because and, I'm yeah. too lazy to explain. Yeah. That's, that, that's the real truth. Sorry. Yeah. Well, I kind of lied a little bit. So, a side anecdote. I host I host trivia nights at one of the grad student bars um, on campus. And last night, I asked a question about the end of High Met Your Mother. And I didn't feel bad about oh, spoiling that it. that show. Because oh. that show, the the finale, it was like two years ago. So It was. But that Thank show God. bugs the shit out of me. Uh, like, I don't oh like my that freaking show, God. No. I don't like I don't like it a lot. No, I mean, I, I like it. I do in a very weird way, um, but so some people, um, well, one, how much of other Ed friends are actually the same show? Friends is more bearable than How I Met Your Mother. Friends the is much better. I hate the characters less. Friends is much better written than How I Met Your Mother. Like at the beginning of Friends, um, for the first like six seasons of Friends, I would say overall the quality of writing and the jokes that they make, they are much better and more like educated than the stuff they say on how i miss your mother that's right guys we're discussing the first six seasons of friends compared to the rest of all of the seasons which stan has watched all of them of course i am not i am definitely not watching friends for like the fifth time the fifth time (laughs) the whole thing how many episodes are there there's there's like 200 oh jeez i don't you know what i'm not even gonna fault you because i have played so right now I'm playing uh, Tales of the Abyss, mm-hmm. which is uh, one of a very long series of uh, Japanese RPGs called the Tales series, appropriately. Mm-hmm. Like uh, you may have heard of Tales of Symphonia, Tales of Vesperia, Tales of Zelia; those are the big ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, 
yeah, I spent, for example, 300 hours on Tales of Vesperia. So I got no room to really be making fun of you because mm. I have probably spent more hours than you have spent watching Friends on that series entirely. <laughs> but still... Yeah. Friends, really? Yeah, I mean, so the reason I've watched it, I only I only watched it once. Um, actually, I think I tried watching it twice. I think I might have watched it like one and a half times uh, before I went on Netflix. Oh goodness! And then it went on Netflix like on January, and I watched it again. And then I started watching it again, and I got tired of it because if you watch it, if you try to watch the entire series back to back, it does get a little greeting. Just a little. Yeah, just a little bit. And then I rediscovered it like a month ago. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a thing that I do now. It's like it's like when I get up in the morning, like I like having a little bit of noise because um, that's what my mom would always do um, when I was at home. When we get up in the morning, she'd like turn on like the news in the morning right. to get to to wake yourself up. Yeah. Uh, but because I don't have TV, um, I well, what do you mean you don't have TV? You have Netflix. It's like it's like yeah. the same thing. Well, I mean, like I don't have like local cable TV. Well, I think we have cable. I think there's a cable outlet in the living room, maybe. I mean, but so you can plug the, it in and get thing. TV. It's yeah. the same thing. It is. The, it is the same thing. Um, so that's what I do. I wake up in the morning and I'll turn it on, and then I'll get in the shower, and then it's still playing when I come back. Ah, uh, yes. Right. 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 So it's something that I'm not even like um, fully watching anymore, or like I'll have it on when I'm cooking and I'm home alone because it's something to like add noise to the fact that I'm just sitting here, like, in an empty apartment, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know how that is. Um, something you've seen, like, a million times, and you're doing something else. Right. That doesn't require a whole lot of thinking, but it is boring. Mm-hmm. And then every once in a while, oh, that's a good part. I'll pay attention, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I then know. you watch, like, four episodes of it, and you feel slightly weird. Actually, I don't feel weird at all. I- I'm, n- I'm not going to say that I feel bad about any of that. <laughs> I mean, I make fun of you, but it's a thing I think a lot of people do, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. I mean, this idea of, like, watching stuff over and over again is really interesting. Mm -hmm. I knock something over. Yeah, that's okay. That's what happens. I'm in the middle of cleaning. There's there's stuff where there's not supposed to be. That's okay. (laughs) Um, Because I... So, I mean, I study this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Obliquely. So... I kind of have a sort of kind of duty to myself to keep looking at new stuff, mm-hmm. and I don't do that as often as I should. Mm-hmm. Um, I, especially with games, it's very easy to play the same stuff over and over again, um, because getting into a new game is a pretty big time investment. Also, money. If you yeah. don't have a lot of money, games can yeah. be pretty expensive. Uh, if you're looking at like more recent stuff, thank God for Steam. Um, yeah, I was gonna say, but you still. You Steam still at least will try the small stuff out on Steam, and you'll play it a lot more often than I do. Right? Because I will just play a bunch of old crap, even though I have some money. I the like I bought a 3DS in September, but right. You, you know, haven't been playing it, have you? I've been playing it. Did somewhat. you beat Awakening yet? Fire Emblem Awakening? No. Wow. <laughs> oh my goodness. I started playing Final Fantasy. Wait, which one? Twelve. Twelve. Oh yeah, yeah that's right. But. Yeah, I mean, it can be kind of frustrating sometimes because the line between, you know, playing something or reading something, especially reading something, mm-hmm. um, for enjoyment and doing it for work can get really thin sometimes. Right. And sometimes it can get really annoying to have to, like, continue to play or, like, go through something when I really don't feel like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I kind of have to. Um 
But Tales of the Abyss is not like that. I'm having a lot of fun, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's actually syncing up really well with some philosophy stuff I'm reading right now, too. Um, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Uh, Tell me more. I'm I'm not going to get too far into that because the philosophy stuff is really complicated. Uh-huh. Uh, but basically, I'm reading uh, right now uh, Guillaume de Luz's... I did not pronounce that right. Forgive me, for I have never taken French. Um... He wrote a book called Difference in uh, Repetition, and that book is super important. It's mm-hmm. also super hard to read. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's taking me a long time to get through it because it is very dense, mm-hmm. uh, makes references to all sorts of things all over the place. Um, but generally, I'm finding... Do you know the story of Tales of the Abyss? Not really. Not really. Um, so, in short... Spoilers bonanza, I guess, but this game came out in 2005, so deal. Um, <laughs> so basically, it's about this guy, Luke. He's an aristocrat, and uh, he's kind of just been relegated to his mansion forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, at one point, he was kidnapped seven years ago or so, mm-hmm. and he's about 17, 18. And he lost all of his memories when he was kidnapped. Okay. But they rescued him. Mm-hmm. And more or less, this is about him leaving the mansion because uh, his instructor, it's like sword fighting instructor, who's also like the captain of like the this like army or something. Mm-hmm. He um, is attacked by his sister, who tries uh-huh. to kill him for reasons unknown at that point. Okay, and they get blown halfway across the world. And so the first part of the story is him trying to get back home. Mm-hmm. And he gets caught up in all this business and whatever. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that in fact he is not the real Luke. When he was kidnapped. Seven years ago, or rather, when the real Luke was kidnapped seven years ago, mm-hmm. they then uh, created a copy of him, a replica, uh-huh. and the Luke that you play as is actually that replica. Replica, yeah. Right? This, this means, for one, that Luke is actually a seven-year-old child <laughs> <laughs> and not, you know, an 18-year-old almost adult. Um, because and the replica doesn't age? No, he ages, right? But, like, mentally, he's seven years old. Because the so, replica doesn't grow in mental age. Because he was born, right? Yeah. At age 11, basically, physically. Oh, right? I and, get it. And over yeah. time, it, uh-huh. you know, he didn't know how to walk. He had to learn how to eat again, as oh, it were. Oh, okay. That's, like that. that's interesting, because when, I, when you said the replica was made of him, I assumed that that replica is, like, basically taking someone and cloning them, so they have all the same, like, motor skills of, no, this replica started from zero. They start from zero. They oh. all start from zero, in fact. Oh, uh, okay, that makes so much more sense. Important later. Okay. And, yeah. um... So, he's a giant asshole because, you know, he's a rich seven-year-old kid mm-hmm. in an adult's body who mm-hmm. has been confined to his mansion right. all of his life. So, he's a dick. Yeah. And he's a huge dick to everyone. Mm-hmm. And everyone is a huge dick back to him. This is kind of understandable because he's a dick. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it causes a lot of problems because nobody really likes him. Right. They're really only going along with him because of his status, his money, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, not really so much him as a right. person. And so his sword and his instructor uh, is basically a father figure to him and the only person who appears to take him seriously. Mm-hmm. So eventually his instructor gets like, uh, they find out that his instructor was the one who kidnapped the original Luke in the first place mm-hmm. and they put him in prison. But he hatches a plan to get Luke, the replica, right, to do some crazy shit that he wants him to do. You don't know quite what it is at the moment. Mm-hmm. But basically... Uh, there's a miner's town 
that has been taken over by like this really dangerous miasma or something and you don't know why mm-hmm. right but you need to go clear a way to figure something out to go help people and they anoint Luke the ambassador because uh, for prophecy reasons actually there's a giant prophecy that dictates everything that the entire mm-hmm. world is dependent on um, and I'm alighting a lot here and basically the sword the the instructor guy is like so Luke here's the secret plan you have this special power that only you can use I can help you you know learn how to use it and what you'll do is you'll go to the minor city and you'll clear out the miasma by using this special power of yours mm-hmm. right so the entire time when they're, when they're there and like physically helping people right Luke is just sort of like uh cause he's like a seven year old kid and doesn't right. know how to actually like be useful uh-huh. right and so he's kind of like, well, I'll just be a hero and fix the miasma. And so he will. He says things like, you know, none of this matters because once I clear out the miasma, it'll be done anyway. Mm-hmm. But because the party hates Luke and doesn't want to talk to him about, about like their plans to like help the people, and Luke is t- explicitly told by his instructor to tell nobody, mm-hmm. right? Like they don't know what each other is talking about. And so right. when Luke says things like this, they're like, "What the fuck, <laughs> you douchebag? Right. What does that even mean?" Mm-hmm. Right. So eventually, uh, the in, they they come to like basically the the central part of the city uh, at this thing that it turns out like the instructor needed him to destroy using this power, and more or less he's manipulated into using his power to destroy the entire city, kills everybody there. Uh, well, that defeated the purpose of everything, and well, the the here uh, the replica doesn't die. And okay. the party doesn't either. Yeah. Um, the people in the town proper die, but not yeah. anybody down in the down in the mines where that happens. Mm-hmm. And um, at the same time, he figures out that he is in fact a replica and not the real Luke. Mm-hmm. Right. The real Luke shows up, mm-hmm. and you know, the party starts following him because you know Luke is a, is a dick. And Luke's entire reaction to this is like, it's not my fault, guys. I didn't do anything wrong because I was being manipulated and I didn't know any better. And the group is like, fuck you. <laughs> right? <laughs> because, I mean, and, and to be fair, right, this is, this is a little unfair to him because, yeah. you know, he is literally a child. Right. He actually doesn't know the enormity of all the stuff that he just did. Uh-huh. But at the same time, everybody is pissed because right. he spent this whole time being a douche uh-huh. to them. Then he kills 10,000 people or something like that. It's a huge number. And then he's, like, completely unrepentant. I mean, but isn't the party's response, like, the correct... I'm using air quotes here. Like, response. um, Because, like... Because, if not only because they don't know that he's a seven-year-old... No, no, they find out at the same time that he They find out at the same time, but they still hate him. But they still hate him, yeah. But why wouldn't they hate him? Right, I mean... And that's the thing, right? Is that yeah. like at the, especially at the time, right? Mm-hmm. Like he literally just killed ten thousand people. Nobody's yeah. gonna be like you know forgiving at that point, of not. no matter yeah. how much of a child you are, uh-huh. right? But um, he develops a real inferiority complex about this, and and, the, and this is like the first third of the game. I was gonna say, I feel like a lot of games now would just end. <laughs> um. So this is the first yeah. third of the game. And the game is really long. Yeah. I've almost beaten it the first playthrough. It's 65 hours or so. Mm-hmm. I did all the cut the side quests, which can get pretty lengthy. Yeah. So. But, um... So he develops an inferiority complex, size to change, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this whole push and pull uh, through, the, through the entire game, which is sort of like, you know, 
there's the real Luke who goes by Ash, mm-hmm. uh, which is meaningful because Luke means f- like sacred flame or something, right? And so Ash is like the ashes of the sacred yeah, flame. Yeah. So there's Ash who was the, who was Luke, uh-huh. right, and is no longer Luke because he has been replaced, as it were. Yeah. Um, and then there's Luke, and it's sort of like which one is the real Luke? How do they, you know, sort of like fit in the places that mm-hmm. they're supposed to fit in? Because on one hand. Ash was supposed to get married to the princess and be king, mm-hmm. and that was a thing that they decided when they were younger, right? So she's still in love with him, but at the same time, the princess also spent a lot of time growing up with Luke, so she's, like, divided, and there's also, like, uh, the the instructor Van's sister, right, right, who falls in love with, you know, Luke... The replica is Luke. So now you just put in a love triangle? So now it's like this weird love triangle that's going yeah. on, right? And this isn't even to get to like all the other stuff that's going on in right. the story at the same time. But there's a, there's a sense of like, you know, uh, which one is the real Luke? Does it make sense that there's a real Luke? You know, um... What is self? <laughs> I mean, vaguely put, right? Yeah. But like, also just... What do you do, right, when you are a copy of someone else? What does it mean to be a copy, right? Right. Or a replica, as it were, mm-hmm. um, in those specific situations. And it fits in somewhat with uh, what Difference in Repetition is about, uh, which is about this idea of um, determining how, how does repetition and difference in itself work, mm-hmm. which, again, is really complicated, and I'm not really going to get right. too into that. Um, well, what I just thought of is that the replica thing because like um kingdom hearts also asked that question a little mm. bit. what does it mean to be a part of somebody else and but not be like quite all of them kind yeah. of thing like kind of like basically asking this copy question and that's not a question that you can ask outside of like this fantasy like sphere of things where that type of stuff is possible at least I don't think it's a, as concrete a question as that you can ask, right? I mean, I think that, like, it's interesting because at least in, in Abyss, it almost sort of becomes more of a symbolic thing of, like, Luke, this ideal person, right, who mm. would, you know, ideally be whole, and, right, right like, Ash can't be Luke because, uh-huh. you know, he lost everything when he right. was, like, 10 or something like that. Mm-hmm. But Luke can't be Luke. As because he's not really because Luke. he's a replica yeah and there's all sorts of physical things that go on with that right exactly um, he's like a little bit weaker and things uh-huh. like that um and so the idea is that like luke the real luke who mm-hmm. is that is that a thing right and so uh the identity of the person luke becomes almost a sort of like place rather than like a person right to be to be thought of and so um, you can think of that, like, sort of concretely in the sense of, like, you know, me, right? Am uh-huh. I, like, you know, a person all on my own? Is there, like, some sort of imminent thing that makes me me? Or am I just, like, a sum of, like, places that I have, right? In society and mm-hmm. other people's estimations, right? Like, what if I suddenly made a huge change in my personality, right? right? Like, over the course of, say, a month, right? Right. My life would be completely different. Yeah. In, like, a very real way, I wouldn't be the same person, but at the same time, of course I'm the same person, person. right? Um, I mean, of course, in, uh, it's actually pretty funny because if, if you look at, like, say, academic philosophy, they usually regard the idea of the self to be, like, this sort of fanciful lie. Mm -hmm. It, it really doesn't work, right? Like, if you want to take, like, a super hard tack on it. Right. But, um, at the same time, it doesn't really seem like we can get along without that idea. Yeah. Right? 
Um, and so Abyss sort of pokes at those things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and gets you to sort of think about that a little bit in its own uh, Tales way. There's also, like, you know, racism, which is always in every Tales game, with, yeah. like, the replicas and such, because, you know, the replicas look like people right. that have already been alive, so people recognize them, but they don't have any memory, so they're so, actually different people, yeah, but with the same bodies mm-hmm. and the same voices and everything. And mm-hmm. uh, there's a part where a huge number of replica are crea- replicas are created and sort of abandoned, and they just wander like right. get in the cities and stuff like that and people uh-huh. are freaking out and like holy crap that's my best friend who died two right. years ago uh-huh. you monster get away from me you're not him right? yeah. like that kind of thing happens mm. um, and so there's uh, that sort of question again of like what's a person's identity to you right yeah like what makes that, someone somebody to you like that actually brings up the that um that thing with the replicas actually brings up um an interesting point because a lot of video games do toy with like the racism thing because they'll have like multiple like species of of um of sentient creatures in a thing like fire emblem does this final fantasy um mm-hmm. does this there's a lot of like genre of right. i mean um different series um that do that type of thing but there's like physical differences so that's it's more akin to how it is in the human sense, but I think it actually gets the deeper question um, when you do have someone that's exactly the same as someone else, and yet you find something about them that's repulsive because they are still different even though they look the same. Right, and that's right. that's the sort uh-huh. of idea, I think, um, kind of, that gets behind repetition here mm-hmm. uh, that Deleuze is talking about, um, because it's, a, it's, it's different in the sense than, you know, the sort of, like, scientific idea, right, of repeating mm. an experiment, because you presuppose uh, that you can hold everything the same, right. and then just do the thing you did again, yeah. but you can't actually do that. Oh, yeah, right? you can. Yeah. Um, and so repetition is more of, like, a very... Uh, you remove a lot of the, the, you know, controls and the whatever, and it's literally just repeating, right? Mm-hmm. So, for example, uh, repetition is an inherent thing to language, for example, in that there are lots of words, right? Yes. And you can just say a word or make an utterance. Mm-hmm. And you can make the same utterance in two different points of time. But they're going to mean two different things. Yeah, I they're was going to come. Say that. They're going to come to represent two different things, as it were. And sort of like the idea is, you know, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with the fact that I can, in fact, repeat the same action in completely different circumstances? Mm-hmm. But it is the same action. Right. Is it really like? I mean, I've only read like uh, a little bit into it, so I'm not sure, you know, where Deleuze is going with this. Yeah. Right. He pulls together like a very interesting, you know, set of interesting things because a lot of philosophy and stuff is is based on identity, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, ultimately you want to find out what is the same between these things so we yeah. can put them in the categories and understand uh-huh. them better and do stuff with them and whatever, right? And so whenever you line out differences, right, it's mm-hmm. always in order to make categories. It's really just trying to group things by the same, oh, yeah. right, yeah. by pointing out large-scale differences. Um, but what if you look at, you know, difference, what it means to differ, mm-hmm. right, on its own, what it means to repeat something right. on its own, right? Um, well, by the logic you just presented, that that little um, truism that, people um in science sometimes say especially where you can't repeat the same thing you can't repeat the same thing over and over again expect to get something different by what you just said that is uh, that is decidedly false i mean so it's all about uh yeah it's because you you seek for a different thing when when you're doing science but i think that this this makes some sense 
is essentially ideally in science what you want is that what you want really is the ability to say if you do x it will mean why yes right and right. you can just say this completely contextless uh-huh. right that you can master all the relevant information such that you know context there is no context you just know everything right but that's almost ever true and yeah. well it's impossible right? right this is the whole idea of i mean in the problem of induction right mm-hmm. um and but then it becomes a sort of almost like a moral thing right if you can't prove it in, you know in logic if you can't say it is then you start saying it should be right mm-hmm. like well if it's not the case that you know we can do that then you know we should strive to do that with everything even though we know we can't yeah. right um and so Deleuze goes on to talk about that some more um but there is uh, this struggle right with this idea uh that there should be a Luke right um there should be the real Luke that is resolved, right? Mm-hmm. Like in the story, um, that both of them struggle with, right? Uh, the idea that in the end uh, things should go back to being the same, that yeah, the fake one should disappear. Whoever right. is the fake one, right? Mm-hmm. Or that just like you know one Luke should be. And at the end of the game, that happens. Mm-hmm. But then again, it doesn't happen because the game fucks with you. So yeah. here's what happens: it turns out that one of them needs that both of them. Or one of them. It's not actually very certain because the story is not 100% clear, but it, but they both believe this at least, that they're both going to die. Okay. Because of the process, actually, of having made the replica. Uh-huh. Um, so at the end of the story, they both disappear. Mm-hmm. Um, Ash dies, or at least you believe he dies. Um, and Luke disappears because of special story things to mm-hmm. save the world. And at the end, um, there's a brief part uh, or should I say after the end, where Van's sister turns around and sees, like, a Luke standing there. And she's mm. kind of, like, you know, crying. She's like, you know, what are you doing here? Right? Because she's in love with, like, you know, mm. the, the replica Luke. And so it's left unclear. Is this Ash? Is this Luke? Is it both of them synthesized in some way? That just sounds like the ending to Inception. Right? <laughs> but I think, I think that there's something very interesting in the fact that, like, you don't know. You don't. There isn't one answer, yeah, uh-huh. right? And so the the idea um, at the end that there would be one Luke, the real Luke, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that, like, the whole problem would just, you know, disappear at the end, right? Is just completely negated by the game. It's just yeah. like, no. And I think that's actually how... That is a much more interesting question than gets asked or posed in a lot of other um, forms of media in general because the end result of a lot of stories is that you do return back to normal. And that's just, like, what people expect to happen because you, like, um, it's like uh, I was listening to a podcast they had this example of, like, um, like, man is, like, himself and he has his personality. Okay, some crisis happens to said man and he strives to return to normal and he returns to normal. Oh, just like the hero story. Yeah. And so the idea is always to come back to the beginning. And so most things conventionally will follow that, but then it it becomes really interesting when you don't follow that because this this normal is not what you wanted or it's not really even that realistic. It's a much more realistic story to think of something that, you know, you actually did evolve over time and you are like no longer okay with the original goal you wanted or you don't end up in the place where you thought you were going to be like that is how life actually works right right so i i appreciate things that do that a lot more than um 
the, that represent that better. Um, this is like the chief reason why I hate High Mister Mother. Oh. Why I hate the ending of High Mister Mother. Um, because it just it just gives <laughs> you like that notion that if you're the chump who wants something to come back to the way it was before because you liked it, you spent like. Well, you know, the story spans, like, nine years. But, yeah. But then he has that time after the mom dies. I'm mm-hmm. not sorry. Sorry, I'm not sorry. Um, After after the mom dies, so it's like, what, like, 20-some years? And then you still <laughs> get what you originally wanted. Like, that is shit. Like, I am sorry. <laughs> like, that just, like... I was like, no. I was, like, visibly angry. It's good like, for the ratings, though. No, it's not. I mean, I'm not sure if it well, actually is. For example, consider yeah. Abyss. Um, when that game came out, a lot of people hated it. Oh, yeah. Um, it was very controversial when it came uh-huh. out because, you know, uh, Luke is a dick mm-hmm. uh, for a lot of the game. This pissed off a lot of people. Because you had like, a character oh, that was bad? You were playing the character that was bad. Is that just. Like, what so, does playing a bad character mean, though? It means that I can't identify with him, and so playing the game is an emotionally negative experience. And it makes me angry, so the game is bad. As but you I, can see, I have very little. I have very little patience for this kind of thing. Yeah, I was going to say, because that doesn't really fly. If you just if you take any attempts to look at the perspective of a character that's not the main character, you would end up with that same problem. So, in in almost any game, like, who is to say that the bad guy is the bad guy? The only reason you think the bad guy is the bad guy is because... I mean, in a lot of things, have, it's, like, very, lot of... it's very cut and dry. <laughs> like, this well, guy is evil, <laughs> you know? Well, yeah. I mean, the Tale like, series is not so much like this. But yeah, and, like, like, some of the later Final Fantasy games do actually play with this idea a little bit, like... Um, Except 13. And well, thir- 13 maybe less, but 12, 12 does a little bit. It's kind of like, you know, is the guy that's um, controlling um, the House of Arcadia, like, is he actually a bad guy? Like, is he... Or is he just, like, being manipulated and controlled by this force that is out there that you can't actually beat um that is just that is bad and that's just like you know how this world is kind of thing and so him killing like in the end it's it almost ends up being um you killing Vane does not actually really solve the reason why the conflict existed um right yeah and so and so and so it's awkward right yeah um and and i mean but that, that is the thing. It, it really does throw a lot of people for a loop uh, mm-hmm. when they're playing for just entertainment. And that was that was the thing about Abyss was that it was actually, um, I don't know, kind of daring at the time. Again, this was 2005. Most of the people playing this game were like, you know, in their teenage years, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and it was kind of like, yeah, here's this main character you're going to play, and he's an asshole for like half a game and then for the other half of the game you know he's like a kid who's very angsty and stuff because right. he literally just learned he wasn't supposed to exist uh, a bunch of people treat him like shit right like basically nobody knows how to act around him for like another third of the game right right like people it and he he's just in a very unique position in his life i don't know like it, it's it's definitely very different i suppose than what you would expect from uh your very market centered kind of game where like you know the main character is like i'm you identify with me i'm like you except what you want to be look at my muscles and my seven feet tall height or look at my chainsaw gun definitely not talking um, about a specific game series or look at my incredibly effeminate body which is also something that some (laughs) games especially made by square 
What was that? Well, I mean, that's, that's, that's get, for the women. Ca- get, caught under, get caught under fire. Well, no, it's not. Well, because it's a very action-centered game, right? And so, I mean, it is for the women, though. Like, really, like... Uh, is it really? Yeah, the Bisanen, I guess, is the correct term, but I don't know if people say that in Japan. Do you say Bisanen or just... Okay, anyway. Yeah, man. Yeah, Weeaboo but... stuff aside. Um... The it is it is actually for women more more than more so yeah. than than for the dudes. Um, for the dudes, you have like you know the explosions and like you right, know, all course. the killing things and yeah. whatever. Um, but yeah, video games are like kind of in a classical Hollywood kind of phase right now. I feel like mm-hmm. um, if you're like into movies, you know what I mean. There was this period, uh, what like the 30s, 40s when it started, ending. Uh, around like the late 60s mm-hmm. where basically there was like lots of censorship going on in movies um because of things like the wars and whatever oh yeah and the uh-huh. cold war and stuff like that right. that was going on there was you know a lot of uh very close heavy-handed monitoring of the yeah. kind of things you would see uh in movies and such oh yeah like um, there was the thing for the longest time where it's like um you couldn't you you couldn't show a man and a woman in the same bed together, right, right. yeah. And so, um, what was it the I Love Lucy like broke a couple of these things, and yes. like Lucy was pregnant like on the show, and that was the first yeah, time yeah, that was ever. a really big deal, yeah. yeah. Uh huh. And then it was like All in the Family, which is the first time you ever saw the toilet. Oh in yeah. A show, in a television mm-hmm. sitcom that was like in the seventies. Yeah. Um, and it, it was a really big deal. People were like, mm-hmm. "Holy crap!" Yeah. Literally. Um, <laughs> but. It's, it's, it's a similar thing now. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it is different, right, uh, in a lot of respects. But right. it's it's less of a, you know, sort of like a government-mandated kind of like, you'd better not look like you're a commie right. or you better not, you know, get too sexual kind of thing. And it's more of just like, we need to make money, 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 money. Do right. what makes money, 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 money. Right? Yeah, and so, you'll, and so you'll end up with a lot of games that are copies of each other because they make money doing that. Yeah. For better or worse. Right. Yeah. And I mean, even in Abyss, there are like certain elements where it's kind of like, they, they turned it, you know, into something that would be all right, whatever. Mm-hmm. I guess I could believe that, but there are things in it that make me, oh, why did this have to be like this in the game? There's right. like, you know, a little animal thing that has an annoyingly high pitched voice. Mm-hmm. His name is Mew. Oh, <laughs> like your, your typical, you know, like, little oh God. thing and it's just oh like just now like just in now. the beginning of the game when luke is a dick he just like kicks him and calls him thing and i'm like <laughs> yes you go kick his ass it does not get any better like and i mean the tale series in particular has like this uh penchant for having like a, a child who's like about 12 13 right uh going around in the game and stuff like that and you know they do interesting stuff with that usually the child has like some distressingly adult things going on with them yeah um like in abyss the child is nate who's annis uh mm-hmm. she's the guardian of like basically the pope okay and <laughs> at 12 okay and uh because 12 year olds can do that <laughs> and she's a gold digger who incessantly hits on the main character the mage who is a colonel in the military uh-huh and from a noble family and the other guy, who also turns out to be from a noble family, also his name is Guy, literally. Um, <laughs> and she's she hits on them incessantly, and you know, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, he has lots of money. Get married to me, and it's just like all the characters yeah. also react appropriately. They're like, what right. the fuck? But it's still just like, why did she need to be twelve? 
she could have at least been older than well, 12. if she was I mean, if her she being was, a child is important right yeah like it actually is is it's, it's part of the thing right but at the same time oh well if she was older i mean that that is something sketchy but there's also that thing where it's like um there was a, i was listening to a thing on um on pinups and they were talking mm. about how like pinups yeah, like um, from, oh, you like, mean the you mean like uh, calendars? Yeah, and, uh, like the pinup calendars. And they were talking about how in some in some things that are like your pinup style, they would deliberately, yeah. How is like, how is this related to no no no? It, 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 I, it, it is it is. I'm just, concerned. Just, 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 just let me go. Just let me go. Okay. <laughs> they, they would put a picture. They would picture. They would put a picture of a woman like looking sexy um, next to a child, and they said that they would do that because children are inherently not sexy. And so, because of that, it brings the entire thing, like, more um, out of the realm of obscenity and into something that you can appreciate as, like, a form of art. I, I guess. Yes. I mean, it's just, um, I think it's just, you know, demographics covering right. kind of strategy, right? It's yeah. like, there's a kid in this, too, so if you're, like, 13 years old, you can put yourself in the story. Except not really because they have really adult problems and you probably don't actually want to be them. Like in right. every single game, like they uh-huh. have like ridiculous issues. Yeah, exactly. That, you know, are incredibly unkid like. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. Like, uh, it's interesting. I think the Tale series is maybe an interesting example of how they very clearly are actually limited by like a lot of very like uh, I wouldn't call it cynical. Okay, you could call it cynical, but like you know, marketing strategies mm-hmm. where they're like, we have to cover like all of these demographics and have yeah. like you know, character of this type, character of that type. There's definitely like a tales archetype of right. like how the cast works, how the story works, mm-hmm. um, lots of things that like when you have played a few of them, you know how the rest of them are going to go. Oh yeah, like the church is always evil, and uh, you know there's always a traitor, right. and the game is usually split up into basically three parts. There's two worlds. Yeah. Right? The, the worlds merge eventually. Mm-hmm. Almost always. That doesn't always happen. Uh, like, you know, the bad guy turns out to be kind of a good guy. Yeah. They don't always manage that well. Tales of Asperia. They manage that really badly in yeah. that game. But anyway. Um, well, I it, mean, don't, don't most, like, um, don't most forms of media, like, have that? And that's why people love reading, like, TV tropes. Because they're these things that just, like, bind together well, um, every little every little thing everywhere. Right. Yeah. But there are tropes and there's having, you know, like, a series, right? With a yeah. very, like, well-established, right. you know, like, way that the plot works. But uh-huh. in every game, there manages to be surprises, right? And very yeah. interesting questions that get raised. Mm-hmm. Despite this formulaic structure and in fact it's sometimes helped by it yeah um because sometimes you get surprised mm-hmm. uh, people who are very savvy like certain games will surprise you with how that stuff works right, right. um and so it's uh it's really quite interesting i think and, and a lot of people you know will make fun of i don't know the tale series or dragon quest or even final fantasy for having you know like things that it repeats right mm-hmm. but i think that like uh the way that these things are used as a sort of crux to explore like the creative I think that sometimes having right like these things that you you can't not do mm-hmm. right like gives you a little bit more room for creativity because you're sort of not out in the breach yeah you know just doing whatever right at which point you can sort of just get lost and like mm-hmm. come up with incredibly stupid things right well, it, it gives you an anchor to stand on, right. right? And that's exactly what you want when you're coming up with something new. Like you, and that's almost the same reason why a lot of um, 
a lot of a lot of things that people make that are like that include things to make money. Like they're the things that have been tried and true without that. Like you don't necessarily need to reinvent the wheel in order to create something successful. You need a jump. You need a jumping point that you start from, and then you branch out to it from there. You have to play a little bit of the game to have any chance at changing the face of what the environment is. You can't just bring out something out of completely out of nowhere because everyone's going to be like, um, well, like, who is this? I mean, sometimes those things work well, but most of the time they don't, and that's right. just how it is. Right. Yeah. I find it particularly interesting that we've been having this conversation thus far about video games, particularly mm-hmm. a series of games. Um, and, you know, people can be quite skeptical about, you know, video games as art for several reasons right uh one being the community Uh surrounding games another one being you know uh the idea that games don't have very inventive stories or something like that Mm -hmm. and i think that that's really stupid yeah no Um, i i think that's completely untrue the only reason i play video games is for the single player experience like i like playing games with people but it's not something that i do that often and that's no offense to any of my friends because i love playing games with them (laughs) (laughs) when when i when i do play games with them it's just like that's just how i originally experienced games was really immersing myself in the story really trying to understand and pull out all these all these um little things that you can um experience that world more through mm. and so that's what i really got out of it that's why i really love games like um final fantasy that just have massive amounts of in-game lore that you can just like mm. lose yourself in right. and really like dive into what the connections between all the characters and the races and the conflicts are like that's better in my in my experience in some cases than reading books and but for some reason um people always say that you need to read books uh, you like reading books is a much more fruitful activity than playing video games i don't necessarily think that's the case in all forms i mean yeah. i i think of it as more like uh people don't really appreciate also the other stuff that comes into to making a game especially so i think that at this point you know it's pretty obvious that like both of us play role-playing games a lot mm-hmm. um and not a lot of other games so that's what mostly we're going to be talking about but i do feel that this applies to other genres of games as well mm-hmm. um I mean, okay, don't get me wrong, like, uh, Gears of War is Gears of War. If you're going to call that art, you got a high barrier to, to cross there. I mean, you could you could write something or, you know, talk about it in an interesting mm-hmm. way. I'd like to hear it, because good God. Good I mean, God. Gears of War, in my opinion, is not, like, the worst game. Like, I would give it less skepticism than you are. I mean... Yeah. I don't know, like, it's uh, just the sheer ridiculousness of it mm-hmm. kind of uh, kills all of the story for me. Because it, yeah. it, it is actually, if you just ignore all the gameplay, uh-huh. right, and just take the story, it's actually pretty interesting, right? right? And, you know, kind of like, you know, a little heart-wrenching and things like that. But that's the thing, is that, like, you gotta play the game. Right, right? yeah. This is the problem. Sorry, people, but I gotta do this. This is the reason I don't like Bioshock Infinite. I really don't like it because you know what the story is all right. Uh huh. I mean, there's the whole thing with like, uh, have you played it? Do you know the story? I know the story. Yeah, there's the whole thing with like Daisy Fitzroy. Yeah, yeah. And it's like Mm -hmm. that's kind of racist, but like, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. But the ultimate, ultimately, the thing is that the gameplay completely fails to just live up to the story in any way because it's like. Booker, killing people is wrong, right? Right. And then you go and mow down 200 people right, right on your way to the final boss, uh-huh. who is crappy and boring, by the way. Uh-huh. Um, and it's just sort of like, 
these people are just faceless, you know. Yeah, they, yeah. they you know, aren't people, uh-huh. right? Like, you gun them down and then you, like, loot their bodies for nothing because they don't hold anything because, right. like, the last half of the game is an annoying endurance run. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, like, the enemies don't even have that much variety, so it's not even fun. So mm-hmm. you spend more time noticing this because the game is so boring. Right. You're just like, why am I killing all these people? As in, A, why in story... After uh-huh. I just said that killing people is wrong, do mm-hmm. I go and kill 100 people? And why, in the real world, am I sitting here and, like, trudging through this, right? See, but I'm, I'm curious as to why you don't ask that same question about, like, random monster encounters and stuff that occur in games that you do play. Right. right. Um, and, and so the thing is that, like, for one, they're monsters, right? So there's a sort of... Uh, there's sort of split there. Okay. And for two, in Bioshock Infinite, again, a big part of the story is, you know, Booker feels bad about killing lots of people. Right. Because he's done that before. Uh-huh. Um, the story takes place... When does the story take place? This is like... I don't know. Early 20th century, late 18th century, yeah. something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He took place in one of the, like, uh, the Battle of Bull Run or something like that. Mm-hmm. The one where, like, all the Indians were killed. All the Native Americans, whatever you prefer, were yeah. killed. Um, and he was... a no, actually, my bad. He was in the labor riots. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yes. Yeah, uh, in the United right. States, uh-huh. the United States has a very bloody history of uh, union stuff, um, which involved companies hiring, like, you know, private law firms to go and kill lots of people who were striking. Uh, and Booker was part of these, uh, was part of Pinkerton, which is one of the, one of the right, ones. Right, yeah. And he was, uh, he killed a lot of people at a labor strike or something like that, and he was president of a bunch of, like, military battles or something. Mm-hmm. Although, given how the story turns out, who knows if this is, like, this Booker particularly. But anyway, this happens. And so he feels, he has a lot of guilt about killing lots of people. Mm-hmm. But it's Bioshock, so you gotta kill lots of people. Right. And so, you know, there's a huge, there's lots of story stuff about it. And, you know, uh, there's a lot of conflict between him and the female lead, mm-hmm. who turns out to be his daughter. Uh, and uh, about, you know, killing and how she feels like killing is wrong. And he's like, well, I got to kill because, you know, they don't leave me any other choice. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's a huge part of the story. Right. And again, the second half of the, the second half of the game, it just disappears. You don't ever talk about it. Right. Again, right. The story gets increasingly ridiculous. Right. Like. Uh, the the handling of things becomes increasingly ham-handed and just like, you know, we did this, so we're deep, right? Like, you know, there's a whole thing about, like, how America, you know, has lots of poor people and they right. don't get discussed or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, you know, there's a part where you walk through the slums and it's, like, facing, you know, real poverty or whatever, except, like, all the people just stare at you. Yeah. There's just, like, poor people and they're just staring at you, uh-huh. right? And there's, like... Uh, there's lots of choices in the game, little decisions right. that you can make, you know, about whether Booker is, like, racist or not, and, mm-hmm. you know, there's, like, a thing that you can get from the homeless place with that, the homeless, like, the, the shanty town slums, but mm-hmm. that involves, like, you picking a fight with these people and, like, killing them. Mm-hmm. Nothing bad happens to you at the end of the game because yeah. of this. You just do what you want, mm-hmm. right? So it ends up being, like, I mean, almost kind of like this feeling of, like, Mighty Whitey trudging through, you know, like, this, like, giant city doing yeah. whatever he wants to whoever, and, I, and I, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I, I was just about to say that, like, this game is not the only thing that has that kind of um, that conflict show up and then ignore it. Like it's a fairly common thing for a character to be confronted with like a potentially like um, moral challenging situation or whatever. Choose the morally what people with like the straight and narrow more compass will say the morally unjust way, and then faces no consequences for it. Right. Yeah. Right. And and I mean, the the thing is, is that like um, 
the thing that's particularly frustrating about Bioshock Infinite, mm-hmm. because it's not really different from a lot of other games in this, was that it, it built itself as this game that, you know, was games are art. It's a really big deal, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, this will be the game that proves to everybody that, you know, there can be artistic merit to games. And then that happened. And it made me so angry because I know of games that are 10 years older than Bioshock Infinite right. and are 10 times the art that it is. Yeah. And it just really frustrates me because a lot of people, you know, who do not normally do things with video games were like, okay, this game is supposed to be art. It's supposed to change my mind. Let me right. play it. And they were decidedly unimpressed. Well, why wouldn't they be? Right, because it sucks. There's no I mean, follow through. Like, that's yeah, what I that's think. the problem. Yeah, and this is—I mean, this is what people have like criticized games about forever, right? Is—is mm-hmm. is this like complete inability to understand that like the game, the 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 artistic part to a game, as it were, mm-hmm. is not just the story, right? As some sort of right. like or narrative, as some sort of element like taken apart from you know the act of actually playing the game. Yeah, no, right, yeah. like. The two things have to work together somewhat. Yeah. Right? Um, there has to be a way in which they, they cohere, or else you get this, like, really, really irritating, you know, like, contradiction, right? Oh, yeah. And it's just, I mean, it's, it's very similar, right, to, like, a book that will tell you that it's about X and Y and Z, and the characters will deliver impassioned speeches about it, uh-huh. and then the characters act like douchebags, right? right? Like, the rest of the time, right? When they're not, like, you know, in full speech mode. This is why a lot of games don't make good movies. Half the experience and the art of a game, even though you can have really, really cinematic games that look beautiful and you spend a lot of time like watching cutscenes and stuff. I mean, and to be yeah, fair yeah. to Bioshock Infinite, it is a very beautiful game. It looks yeah. awesome. Right. Right. I was very excited for like the first like third of the game. I uh-huh. was like, this is going to be great. Right. Then I realized I can only have two weapons. The game is boring. The yeah. story doesn't get better. You know, like, it starts dropping off and then just never picks up. Yeah, and yeah, but I think, in general, like, when you do take the element of the game playing and really that integration with the universe, the fact that... I don't even think it's necessarily the fact that you control things. It's just, like, the added experience that being able to interact with the universe has. Um, and you take that out and you make it a movie. Um, a lot of movie video games will um, fall kind of flat. Um, I mean, you mean video game movies. <laughs> video game movies, my bad, yeah. I mean, the reverse also, but well, I think there's yeah. more success with that than there is with video game movies. Yeah, right. Um, I mean, the the thing is that, like, a, a video game, the story is written in a way that accommodates uh, often, right, the story happening uh, sort of, like, parceled out between mm-hmm. action, right. long series of action, mm-hmm. right, when, you know, there's not a lot of it happening because you're making stuff. Right. So in that way, it's like a lot like real life, right? Where you right. Like actually have to do work to make things happen. Yeah, you, you, have to, you have to put in the time up front in order for you to actually advance somewhere in your own life. Right. Yeah. And and so the thing is that like a movie doesn't doesn't work this way, mm-hmm. right? And so if you just gather, say, all the cutscenes of a game, right? Mm-hmm. Even a game like Kingdom Hearts or Final Fantasy X is right. very cinematic. Mm-hmm. And I mean, people have done this, like take cutscenes, glue them together, and make a movie, right. put it on YouTube. Um, there's still a lot of discontinuity to it. Sometimes things oh, yeah. happen, and you're like, why are they there now? Right. right? Because you just do stuff sometimes mm-hmm. um or sometimes things don't happen in a cutscene, or you know just sometimes there's too much story right this is right. like the problem with the last airbender right oh yeah yeah that fa- infamously horrible horrible movie yes i'm not talking about the cartoon series which is awesome no the cartoon series is excellent so good yeah no the movie uh uh-huh. part of the problem was that 
Shyamalan basically tried to take the whole first book, uh-huh. which is the first season of the of the show, and compress it into what a three hour movie, not even, and it was. It, it wasn't good. I mean, a better director than Shyamalan could have done a better job. But I don't really think that it would have been possible to do this in a way that would have made a lot everybody happy. I, I still... Yeah, and I think that's more of what's at fault here. I still don't really understand why everybody shits on Shyamalan because he's not a terrible director, but apparently uh, everybody seems to think so now. So, so, I mean, have you watched more than one movie of his? Yes, because, but I watched the ones that were good. <laughs> so okay, so the, here here's the thing: is is okay. First of all, did you think Signs was good? Thought it was decent. Okay, <laughs> I'm not going. I'm not going to question. <laughs> You're asking me about a movie that I saw like when I was in high school. Um, okay, <laughs> the last time but, I saw it. <laughs> the 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 point the point I'm making here is that Shyamalan has a style, right? Yes. Much like actually the 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 um the Tales groups mm-hmm. um in Namco Bandai who develop these games have a style, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas the Tales groups, you know, sort of uh, make it, you know, distinctive. And in my opinion, people, there are people who disagree, uh, manage to, you know, be creative and work around that, right? And usually it doesn't get, you know, uh, too up their own ass right. about, like, you know, the blatantness of, of that. Mm-hmm. Shyamalan is so bad. Like, his, his style, it, it wasn't just that he had a distinctive style, but this style grew like a cancer to consume his movies okay until they just became everything that he thought that they could be and he was just immune to editors and it was just like oh that's a problem right and and that's that's when it becomes an issue Mm -hmm. right that's what you know for example like was the problem with the last airbender was that the last airbender the the cartoon very not like Shyamalan style oh of course not It, it was uh lots of humor Right, mm-hmm. lots of lightheartedness. You know, there was always an element of you know, uh, I guess like airiness to it. Ha 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 ha. ha, ha. ha. Um, yeah. Where even when things got really serious near the end, uh-huh. right? There was there was still you cared about the characters because you had seen them doing things like laughing and hanging around and being silly. They you felt saw like them being people. Real. Yeah. yeah, they felt uh-huh. like people. Right. Um, I mean, you had also seen them like you know. Uh, at the at the very edge of what they could take in terms of you know like uh, sadness and yeah. you know, desperation and, and you know all of them had been through these going points. through real emotions right yeah and yeah that's the thing that Shyamalan is not good at real emotions mm-hmm. uh, really bad at those the last Airbender especially bad mm-hmm. I mean he missed a lot of the other things that were good about like the last Airbender but that was really the biggest problem was that um, all the character the, the the feeling the humor the people personness mm-hmm. expressiveness of you know uh avatar the last airbender it's missing in the movie right and it it really uh that's really the important thing i guess uh-huh um and i've lost where we were because i was mad about you're Avengers not you're not that far away from where we were originally um, but with games the thing is that the gameplay you have to answer to that mm-hmm. that isn't a thing that is split apart I mean like there are people were people mm-hmm. who you know would write who've written theoretical stuff about games who have been very like you know blase about like the idea of games having you know story integrated with them and even now I think people don't have the best grasp on how these things work together mm-hmm. right there's this idea of ludo narrative dissonance right yeah, and I still yeah. don't quite think that that captures right the whole thing because I don't really see it as like you know there's gameplay and then there's a narrative mm-hmm. but that the way the gameplay goes is part of the narrative, narrative yeah right like 
the way you are able to control the characters and how that works is part of how the story of the game works. Yes, right. that is. I think a lot of people, a lot of developers, a lot of people who play games, because ultimately, right, mm-hmm. uh, especially when you, know, you talk about market-centered and whatever, mm-hmm. right, ultimately this is on people who play games. Yes. Don't understand or care about that. Right. Right, and I mean, okay, there's only so much you can do. I mean, mm-hmm. you know... It's not like movies are like you know terribly better off. I mean, Michael Bay has a lot of money, you yeah. know. So right, right. Mm-hmm. But I really do wonder, right, if people understand like how much is there in games. Um, so I mean, uh, I think at a fundamental level, they don't. But why would they? Um, because a lot of people go to video games for the same reason that people um, still do, but. It was more of a thing when, you know, everyone's life was shit the Great Depression went to movies. Um, it was because you want something that separates you from how life actually is. I mean, the really big age of movies wasn't even the Great Depression. We're talking, like, you know, classical Hollywood cinema. Um, well, yeah, but... Uh, there was but, a lot of money running through that. Yeah, well, I feel like that when movies got more popular in the Great Depression because people were trying to avoid their lives. Like, this is the thing that... This is the thing that's, like, historically proven. Right? I mean, sure. So, yeah. And, and you know, there is that element of escapism, right? Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of games like Bejeweled and whatever. No, there's there's a lot of games like Bejeweled and stuff, right? Uh-huh. Um, I mean, they don't have a story or whatever, right? Right. Um, Tetris, right? Mm. But I still think that there, there are things to them, too, right? Right, there that, are. That, uh, that means something. Mm-hmm. Um, I read uh, in a book uh, this particularly controversial, in fact, uh, interpretation of Tetris in the 90s or so as being, uh, in, in its popularity, as being representative of sort of the American, you know, work ethic or overwork ethic, as it were. Wait, I'm still kind of trying to grasp what you said. Controversial interpretation of Tetris. Yes. Okay, keep, keep on going. So I'll, I'll explain <laughs> yeah. this in a bit. But, um... More or less, it's kind of like you're playing this game with these very abstract objects, uh-huh. right? And, you know, you're stacking the objects, and you have to get this thing called a Tetris. Mm-hmm. What's a Tetris? I mean, it's based on tetromino, right? Yeah, yeah. Which is what, you know, like the little blocks are, actually, right. tetrominoes. Yeah, yeah. But, like, um, what's a Tetris? Mm. Why are you playing this game? What do the points mean? Right. They don't mean anything. You're just playing a game. Get points. To get points, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And the the blocks don't do anything, right? Yeah. I mean, what do they do? They disappear you know, when you line them up. They disappear when you line them up. <laughs> yeah. Yay! And then, you know, it looks neat or something. Like, right. whatever, right? And there are people who have devoted many, many hours to learning how to do this. Right. Why? Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, what, what does this do for you? Right. right? And... It's strangely addictive to a lot of people, right? And a lot of people do this on their off time and spend time getting better at it and whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Up to the point where it starts feeling like work. And in the 90s, this was, like, not an idea that had been explored very much. So this was much more original then than it right. is now. Um, uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, it was just, you know, this idea of, like, its popularity and stuff is, you know, and the fact that, you know, the game is as it is, mm-hmm. right, is, like, a sign of, like, you know, work ethic, overwork ethic, mm-hmm. like, working for stuff this idea that you have to work for stuff that you don't really understand, right? right? Because just working is good because it means that you're a good person because yeah, you work yeah, for, and, you know, a living or something, right? Uh, yeah, and I would I would disagree with that statement. I don't think you can... I don't think you can go through somewhere like here and just work for the sake of working. Yeah, I think that's that actually is just I mean, not... That doesn't sit well, like, at all. I mean, I think... 
at MIT especially, a lot of people get caught up in that mentality. Why do you think people take six classes when they don't have to and, you know, get all this, like, internships and stuff like that? They don't really need to. That's true. I still don't think that's healthy. Right. I mean, okay, sure. (laughs) Right. Right. But you can can say that it is a thing that is, like, very in the American, you know, maybe just, like, you know, modern Western psyche, you know, is that you need to work for a living you know it doesn't matter what you do as long as you're a working person right that makes you that you're better than someone who's doing nothing right Right. like uh no matter what it is that you're producing or not producing right um, you have to work you have to work right Mm -hmm. um and so that that was you know the interpretation right it was just like you know interesting enough and i was like oh that's pretty good you know i didn't think about it that way but and then she was made fun of incessantly the person who wrote this Mm -hmm. uh by a lot of people at the time Mm -hmm. and you can still actually see uh jabs at this yeah yeah. right that people will make um And it really frustrates me because I'm like, what the hell is wrong with this? Yeah, right? that, that, that like, frustrates me too. Yeah. You know, and, and that, that's always the thing is there's this assumption, you know, games have to be super different than everything else. And it's kind of like, I mean, they're media like anything else. Right. right? Like, um, I mean, yeah, they're unique because they're a different medium mm-hmm. or whatever you're going to call. Right? right. Like the way that they're different from other stuff. But like, they're not that different. Like there are symbols, you manipulate them. Right. Mm-hmm. Like maybe you happen to manipulate them in a more direct way than you do like in, in books and stuff but like right. it's still symbols you're being shown symbols you manipulate the symbols and you make meaning out of the symbols which you manipulate right mm-hmm. um what can i tell you right um so i don't know um there's there's a sense of like games are different that lots of people have and i kind of wish we could break through that and that's it for me um yeah, that's a really good place to stop yes i i like that last point so Yeah, don't feel bad if you don't like games. I mean, there are people who don't like to read books. There are people who don't like to watch movies. I don't actually like to watch movies that much, so there you go. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have because I study media, so I have to. Right. um, So I think that's about it for now. If you have, you know, any comments, concerns, if you would like to, you know, disagree with me about Bioshock Infinite, um, go ahead and send us an email, sixfifths at mit.edu. Yep. Yeah, and we're gonna be my some of my high school friends are coming in tonight later tonight. Oh. Uh, so we're gonna be talking to them in a couple of days. Um, so this episode, this episode will go up um, this next week, uh, which will be the last week of July. I'm looking at my calendar. I can't yes. actually see my calendar because it's behind the TV. Um, which, Rest assured, it is the last week of July. Yeah, next next week is the last week of July. So that's when you're gonna be hearing this episode, and then um, and then we're roughly gonna be posting a few weeks after that, and uh, we'll have a we're we're working with what we want to do towards the end of August um, because it's the start of the school year and so uh, Mr. Grad student over here has to do his grad student things and walls yeah wait why are you taking quals now because I can you're our first year yeah. the school year hasn't even started yet they offer a record every semester walls so work so differently you, for so different so you fields. just do it yeah if I pass any of them then Okay. That's sure. uh, that's so weird. Like in the humanities, like you don't even think about quals until after like your third year. Because I think you take in most places you don't years. actually think about quals until the well, third years year. Like yeah. Well, well, no. I think is that only because you're already here. Like I don't think anybody who's coming here from outside would even attempt it, right? I mean, it's because I'm physically here. Yeah. Because I went to MIT as an undergrad. Like if somebody else were physically here for the summer. Like, they would have every opportunity to take the call. They probably would.
Yeah. Okay. That sounds about right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. How graduate school works different ways for different people. Maybe we'll probably, one day. We'll probably talk about that like at the beginning of uh, next semester. Beginning of next semester? That sounds like an idea. Yeah. 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 And if you have any ideas for what you want us to do, especially over the summer. Yeah. Um, or, you know, in future downtime where we can't figure something out, just, you know, hit us up. Right. Yeah. We're totally open to that. So, yeah. Uh, come subscribe to our channel. Um, give us reviews so more people see us. Continue linking to us. We got a couple of links. Uh, Yay. This past week. College so Confidential. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, uh, why did I say that? No one says that anymore. <laughs> it's okay, Stan. All right. I think it's time to go. <laughs>